What a mighty day that will be, church. What a mighty day that will be when we will have camp meeting in the new Jerusalem with our Lord and Savior face to face. And guess what? We won't have to worry about not enough room because some song said there's plenty good room in heaven. But the saints of God from all times, beginning with Adam and Eve, all the way to the last person born and the last person that accepts the good news of Jesus Christ, will stand on that city with streets made of gold. And we will sing the songs of Zion, never more to part. There'll be no going home because we'll be home. Glorious will be that day. And friends, we can hasten that day by making God known. I just want to say here, I thank Pastor Sam Davis, the president of this conference. It's something that has made me eternally grateful to just to be a part of this grand celebration. It has been a fabulous week, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know about you, but I felt as though I was walking without touching the earth because the spirit of the living God has been here in all of the meetings, in all of the fellowship, as we have greeted one another as total strangers, but then brothers and sisters in Christ. I thank the committee. I thank Sister Jen who has provided the meals. I don't know about you. I can only speak for me, but I am persuaded, as Paul said, that she has to be the best cook in England. And it has been delicious to test the food that she has brought forth to us. Now, I don't want to take up time with a lot of greetings. I want you to know that I am a member of South England Conference by God's grace. And you have lent me on loan to, to the US because that's what I can say now today because I'm here like our union president said in this camp meeting, amen? So pray for us tonight as we go forward with his word with the message entitled, Victory is Mine. Victory is Mine. Turn to someone and say, Victory is Mine. Shall we pray? Loving Father, again, we are thankful that you have been so good to us. We realize that we don't deserve any of your blessings, but your love and your kindness and your compassion compels you to save us. You spilled your blood that we might live. You gave your life that we might have hope. You've sent your spirit to animate us and to make us what you'd want us to be. So even now, dear Lord, hide me behind the cross of Calvary. Take this sinful man of clay and animate me to be a vessel of life. Speak through these lips words of hope and encouragement and empowerment that your people here on the mountaintop will once again be filled with your spirit and go forward knowing the destiny and the goals that you have for us that this world might be lit up with the glory of the soon coming Savior. We ask this, Lord, as we ask you to bind the enemy and his host is our prayer in Jesus' name. Let the people say amen and amen. This entire week we have been going through the book of Romans chapter 8, a chapter that has been very inspirational, a chapter that has given us a full view of what God wants for us to do and to let us know that victory is ours. All we have to do is claim it. 
If you would turn to that chapter 8 of the book of Romans and look at verse 13, our first text for the day, it says something that is so plain and so simple for us to understand. It says, if ye live after the flesh, you shall die. But if through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. What a blessed hope to know that God has not made it mysterious about salvation. He tells us plainly if we live after the flesh, we shall die. But he says that if we embrace him, if we allow him to come into our hearts, if we submit to his spirit, it says that we shall live. Ladies and gentlemen, as we have looked at this theme, this theme, making God known, we said that this is not something that we have thought up ourselves. It is the go ye, to go forward into all the world, teaching them, letting them know that Jesus is alive and that he's coming again. Doing like Jesus has done, a threefold mission, a mission of revelation of what God is like, a mission of salvation. He came to seek and save that which lost, that which was lost, a mission of reconciliation. You see, God could have just saved us and left us down here to ourselves. But he not only has saved us, ladies and gentlemen, he has reconciled us. And that word reconcile means to restore like it was from the beginning. Has, have people have done anything to you where you say you forgive them, but you still have one eye on them? Yeah, we all have done that. But Jesus has forgiven us full and free. And the Father has forgiven us full and free. And it says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 19, For God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. He will make it as though we never fell, that there was no separation, that there was no sin, that his son had not died. The only reminders the word of God tells us that we have on the other side of glory is we will see the nail prints in his hands and in his feet and in his side, that spearhead prick where he has given his life for you and I, ladies and gentlemen, and just the thought of what would cause us to take our royal crowns that he himself shall place on our heads and throw it at his feet and say, worthy, worthy is the lamb. He says he has called us. He says he has ordained us. He has commissioned us. And he says he has done this that we might bear fruit. And this has been a theme that we've looked at all week long. Two fruits we've talked about. The internal fruit that we will have from the Holy Spirit and external fruit. Bringing men and women, boys and girls to him. When we understand our mission and when we understand the transformation process that we must accept and embrace by faith because without faith it's impossible to please him. When we understand that, then when we look at verse 13, we don't get nervous. For it says, if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many that are led by the Spirit of God, they are what? The sons and daughters of God. If we can embrace that, 
that we have been called, that we have been ordained, that we have been commissioned and told to go into all the world because he says that he has given us power to go all into all the world. There is no failure for us. But if we play with God, ladies and gentlemen, and this is what we have to understand, if we play with God, we may do many good works down here, but it will be all for naught because Jesus will say he never knew you. I know that is true because it's written in this word. If you would turn with me to Matthew chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7 and see where Jesus has said that himself. Turning to verse 15, he tells us, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravaging wolves. Everybody that calls the name of Jesus is not from Jesus. Everybody preaching the word of God is not from Jesus. Everybody that tells you to come have a Bible study with them is not from Jesus. It says in verse 16, you shall know them by their fruits. Jesus said, I want you to bear much fruit. He wants us to have the internal fruit. He wants us to have the external fruit. He said, you shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that brings not forth good fruit is hewed down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. Now here is the one that blows people's mind who thinks that they are going to heaven doing what you want to do. It says in verse 21, Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name cast out devils. And in thy name done many wonderful works. It is obvious that there was some action taken. They went into the world, but they went on their, on their own. They were not called. They were not ordained. They were not commissioned. Because if you are called and you are ordained and you have been commissioned, then God will give you his spirit to do his work. It says, I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. What would make someone try to do the work of the living God? the mighty God, the majestic God, and then think that they can live in the flesh and expect the same reward of those individuals who receive the power, the glory, the, the, the insight and wisdom to be able to live forever in Christ's kingdom. You have to be crazy, just like Satan, to think that he could be control of heaven. How do we think that we can live any way we want to live and be in the church of the living God and have positions of trust and live a secret, iniquitous life 
and think that we're going to receive the blessings and because we have done some good things that that is good enough to get us into heaven. Folks, the Bible says there's none good, no, not one. All of our righteousness is like filthy rags. You and I cannot earn heaven. It is a free gift from God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It has nothing to do with what you do for him that saves you. It's because of the blood. It's because of the cross. It's because of his sacrifice. The good that we do in us is not even us doing it. It is his spirit living in us, dwelling in us, doing what he wants to do with us because we have given him the permission. We have submitted to his will. We say, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. We give up our own mind for the mind of Christ. And that's what the word of God says in Philippians 2 verse 5, that we would have the very mind of Christ, which is the mind of God. And that is the only way, ladies and gentlemen, filled with the newness of the new birth of Jesus Christ living in us to manufacture in us that thing called sanctification, which is the work of the lifetime. The problem is, ladies and gentlemen, the problem with us is that we struggle with the sanctification process. We have been born again Yes, we have been called, yes, we've been ordained, yes, we've been commissioned, yes. But as we accept these things, that's when the real battle begins. And we need the word of God and we need the spirit of God to guide us and help us to see what is acceptable to God and what we must allow him to do to change us from the creature that we are to the person he wants us to be. I look in the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 5. Paul knew how to write. He says in chapter 5, verse 16, he says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now that's simple. Isn't that simple? Are you with me this morning? Isn't that simple? It says, walk in the Spirit, that you might not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That means live in the very atmosphere of heaven. And that means pray without ceasing. That means that you must study the word of God and ask him for power, for purity, and for purpose. We have to read the word of God and know it. David said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. When you read the word of God, it fortifies you. It checks you. The Holy Spirit has something to reach into your brain and bring back to you to let you know that, hey, this is not the way. You used to do that before, but you're not the old you. You're a new person. It'll bring back to you warnings. It'll bring back to you whispers of love. Folks, let me say this to you. Have you ever stopped in the early morning and you were feeling a little anxious and you needed some peace of mind and you open up that Bible and I'm not just saying this is the way you open the Bible just open it up and just look for a text say bing that's what the Lord is saying to me 
But there are times when you're praying and you open that book up and the Lord has just what you need. So comforting, so spiritual, so uplifting. You know he's talking to you and you can embrace it and you can hold on to it and it gives you the fortification that you need to make it through the day and you say hallelujah when the problems come because the Lord has prepared you for it. In the morning we have to lift up our voices to the king. We have to be fortified by the power of the Holy Spirit to walk in the spirit and by knowing his word and folks by knowing the word you know Jesus. Oh friends I want you to see what I mean by that. When you look at John 1 verse 1, and I want you to understand this, John 1 verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended Him not, it not. But in verse 12 says, But as many... Say it with me. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And that power comes, ladies and gentlemen, from the power of the living God. I look at that. I feel excited. I see Jesus. You see, if you don't know how to read and you just understand the word of God and you see Jesus, he shows us what to do. Looking at his life, he shows you what to do. You see the fruit of the spirit in Jesus. You see love, you see peace, you see all of the fruit of the spirit in Jesus. You know that he is yours and we are his. We look at Romans 15 verse 4. It says, whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. We need that hope. We need that comfort. We need that patience. Ladies and gentlemen, patience in this world is something that we must have. For patience is the ability to endure without complaining. And folks, I might say that many of us on the way to the kingdom, we're moaning and groaning and whining the whole time. We need some patience. We need to be able to wait on the Lord. We need to be able to know because our faith is reaching out to him and holding on when we can't even see him, but we know that he is there. And as we hold on to him, ladies and gentlemen, he will take us through because that's what he does. He's the deliverer. I come back to these words that are written in Galatians. It says in verse 17, for the flesh lusts after the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the spirit, you are not under the law. Paul is saying to us that in our experience, in this process of sanctification, which is the work of the lifetime, even though we have been called, even though we have been ordained, even though we have been commissioned, even though we are filled with the power of the living God, even though he tells us to walk in the spirit, he knows because he had the same thing, he knows that there's going to be a struggle. 
And if I would ask the question tonight here, excuse me for saying tonight, but that's what evangelists do. Everything is at night. <laughs> he knew what the struggle was about. If you turn in the book of Romans again, Romans, this sweet book that we've been looking at, looking at chapter 7, beginning with verse 14, it says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am cardinal, sold under sin. We know that the law is spiritual. It identifies what sin is. It is high and holy because it was written by God himself. He says that we are carnal. What is carnal? That means fleshy. Having the nature of flesh, sensual, controlled by animal appetites, governed by human nature instead of the spirit of God. When we are cardinal, ladies and gentlemen, we have no discipline, we have no restraints. We do what we want to do, what feels good, what smells good, what tastes good. And when you look at sin, ladies and gentlemen, it's nothing more than vanity. Vanity is the ability to please oneself. So when we look at this and it says, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am cardinal soul under sin. He says, for that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. Now, if you're like me, King James English, when I first came into the church, was hard to understand. But Paul has a tongue twister here. But it can be simply clearly understood when we look at the Amplified Version. The Amplified Version of verse 15 says, for I don't understand my own actions. I am baffled and bewildered. I do not practice or accomplish what I wish to, but the very thing I loathe, I hate, that is what I do. And ladies and gentlemen, you and I would say if we had to be honest with ourselves and that's the only way we can be if we want salvation, that you and I have been in the same boat Paul has been in. The good that we want to do, we don't do it. The evil that we swore off, we said we'd never do it again. We've cried our tears, those crocodile tears. We pleaded with the Lord to take it away from us and then time might pass, but those same things bring us back. The record says in verse 16, if then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the Lord that it is good. Now there is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. In other words, I know what's right. I, I, I have an understanding of what God did for me, but still we do it. And folks, we have to understand that when we sin, it's our own choice. Sometimes we sin because we don't understand. Sometimes we sin because of straight unbelief. More times we sin out of presumption. And then there is the ability to please oneself. We sin because of vanity. We're doing it ourselves as if the Lord will allow us to get away with this, and this is how we think as Christians, because we've done this much good, you know, the Lord is still working on us with this, and we think that we can just get away with doing it. Vanity and presumption, a combination of them all. But my Bible says, the soul that sinneth, it shall die, ladies and gentlemen, and we can't get around that. And if we didn't complete 
our relationship with Jesus, if we did not accept him as our personal savior, then we have no covering for sin. For the wages of sin is death. But thank be to God, ladies and gentlemen, we have the victory through Jesus Christ who gave us the victory over sin. It says in verse 17, now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that what I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find in the law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Folks, we go through so much regret and so much remorse when we sin. And you know what? We even go further than that. Sometimes when we sin, we stop going to church. Stop going to prayer meeting. If you go, you're sitting in the way back. you like that sinner that was there in the temple. You won't even look up to heaven. You look for any excuse, you find faults in other people. And let me just stop and say this. You know, one of the things, and I know because I've been through this, when I left the church as a member, when I left the church as a member, and when I resigned three years from ministry as a pastor, I said, you have those hypocrites in there. And I should have played one of my old sermons. <laughs> yeah, there's hypocrites in the church. But there's hypocrites in the clubs you go to. There's hypocrites on the job. I don't see you resigning. There's hypocrites at school. There's hypocrites in the ball club you go to and all of those other places. The hypocrites are there. And folks, I hate to say this, if you look in the mirror, you might find one. All of those places, there are hypocrites there, but you don't stop going there. And, 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 and there is no help there. But at least if you come to church, what is called the little hospital for sinners, sin sick sinners, hypocrites, Jesus the great physician resides there. Some of us are in major surgery. Come on. Some are outpatients. Some of us are in Jesus' chemotherapy trying to work on our inside. Some of us, ladies and gentlemen, I have to say it, we're down in the basement, the morgue. But the God that we serve has the power to raise us up even from the dead. And it all takes place in his church. Folks, do you realize that, that this place, this church, what is sanctified by his presence, it is the very gate to glory? Words are said there. Appeals are made that can change our entire destiny. We hear words of hope and life. 
words of love and forgiveness, words that soothe our soul, that bring us peace, words that let us know that we can make it, that God is alive and that he cares about me, not just everybody, but little old me. He tells us that he has come to save us and he can save, Hebrews 7, 25, to the uttermost those that come to God by him. He's available to you and he's available to me and he loves us with a love that will not let us go. And folks, if that were not enough, he says all of that and he's coming back again. So as we're going through the struggle, ladies and gentlemen, Paul knew about it. If Paul was going through the struggle, then we're going through the struggle. Now, folks, here's the difference. You have to do something about the struggle. He says you have to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, not as though your words can do it, but your ability to submit to God's will, to live up to the light that you have, to be obedient to what you know to do what is right. When I look at Romans 6 verse 16, it tells me something here. It says, know ye not to whom you ye yourself servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart. From the where? From the heart. That means your mind, your center of thought, your center of intellect, where your decisions are made for eternity in your heart, in your mind. It says, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you, being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. Now, when we accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, and we were baptized, and we were given the commission to go ye, it did not become an easy road. It became harder because we lined ourselves up against the very forces of hell. Satan and his army is against us. But as we have seen all this week, it says, if God be for you, who can be against you? If God is on your side, you're going to go through. And it tells us, ladies and gentlemen, we've looked at it all this week. We've seen the different things. It tells us who shall bring any charge to God's elect. It says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or pearl of, of the sword? It says, for all of these things, we we are counted as sheep to the slaughter. But it says in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. I love the way he always reinforces that he loves us. Not just that he saved us, but he loves us. Loves us with a love that will not let us go. He says, I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's there in print. You can point your finger to it and claim it. But still I have the struggle, Lord. Still I'm still fighting. My own nature is trying to come back. You have to kill it. You have to die daily. We have to ask God for help. And if you fall, ladies and gentlemen, you can't quit. It's no sense quitting. You have to keep moving on because Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, ordains that we must move on. I want you to see something here. I want you to mark this in your Bible. It did not just apply to David. It applies to us. Psalms 37, verse 23. 
It says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Now, let me just stop. The Bible already says there's none good, no, not one. But ladies and gentlemen, when we claim Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, and when we put our life in his hand, no matter where you are, no matter what you've done, no matter how dark your secrets are and how embedded your sin has become in your life, when you give it to Jesus, you're brand new. For if any man in Christ is a new creature, all things are passed away, all things become new. And it says you have become one of his children. And if you are a children of a good God, you're a good son or daughter. Amen. It says the steps of a good man, woman, boy, or girl are ordered by the Lord and he delight in our way. Though he fought, though he fall. Let me ask a silly question. How many of you have ever sinned at least once since you were baptized? <laughs> Both hands and our feet. Come on. All have sinned. All have sinned. Come on, that's what it says. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And it says, though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. In other words, when we fall, if any man sin, he has what? He has an advocate with the Father. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This thing touched me as I was going over this message. It touched me so much I didn't even notice it before. He says, even though we may fall, our steps have been ordered by God, and even though we may fall, he says he upholds us with his hand. That's a loving father. Have you ever walked with your kids when they're little? Because when they get at a certain age, they don't want you to walk with them anymore. They're like, I could do it on my own. And, and when you let them go by their own and, you, you know, you're nervous, you're watching them, and they fall. And they're ready for you to pick them up and carry them and hug them again. But in our experience, ladies and gentlemen, that's the point. I had to learn it. You have to learn it. We should never turn loose the hand. Don't turn loose the hand until we get inside the glorious city. You can't afford to let go of the hand of the man that sealed the waters. We have to keep and say, Lord, if you can't hold me, then pick me up and carry me. Keep me because I cannot keep myself. Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Not just when you fall, but every single day when you wake up. David hears this. Now watch. Look how this ties in. He says that even though he falls, he shall not utterly be cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I have been young and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. In other words, God will take care of you through it all. You can trust him. He's a mighty good God. He's a loving God. He will not leave us to ourselves. So I look at this thing and I feel so excited. I feel so good that even though I have sinned in my life, I have the reassurance that God is still with me. He's holding me by my hand. He's giving me the victory. As I study his word, I'm looking at him. The word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against him. By beholding, we become changed. As I study the word, Jesus is the word. As 
and I see it, I see what he is like and I can internalize his values not by my own power or not by my own command but his spirit starts dwelling in me, dwelling in you and before when you were nasty and mean and cruel, the Holy Spirit brings peace and joy and love. Before when you were impatient, now you become long suffering. Before when you were a doubter, now you have faith and those things begin to shine out in you and people don't see you anymore. Hallelujah. They see Jesus. That's what he wants from us to make him known. The preacher said it last night, last night, by this shall all men know you are my disciples if you have love one for another. And folks, that love is extended not just to those that think like you and speak like you and have a culture like you, but that's for every man, woman, boy, or girl born under the sun, under the sun, living in this world whose Christ has been, whose blood Christ has shed. I come back. Romans chapter 8 and I hope you never look at these chapters the same he says in verse 15 for you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear now folks let me talk to you here it's important to know that when you leave this high holy convocation and you go back to your lives into your churches. Your choir might not sing like the Aeolians. Your pianist might not be as talented as these brothers. The praise team here, and I think this is one of the best praise teams I have ever heard. So spiritual, singing hymns, singing hymns, singing hymns. I have nothing against contemporary gospel. I love that too. But singing hymns, the hymns that we can relate to, the hymns that helped us on our way, the hymns that somebody sitting here who used to be in church, you remember those hymns and you've gone out and done your thing and you find your way here. You didn't really want to be here, but you're here and you're hearing those hymns that read ignited those relationships and emotions that you had when you had that close sweet walk with Jesus those sweet hymns wooing us calling us the Holy Spirit working angels in this place working God watching and as you go back to your life know that that same God that is in the midst of us here is still in the midst of your heart wherever you are and that his love is being poured out on you and he has given you this time to be energized and for you to read on your own and to study on your own and to make your own music on your own from your heart to do what he has given us to do to make God known we are not left alone we are his children. The record goes on to say, for the spirit itself make witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him that we may also be glorified together. 
For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Oh, folks, that makes me turn to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, you know where I'm going. These words that are so sweet and so inspirational. It says in verse 1, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons and daughters of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man, woman, boy, or girl that has this hope in him, her, purify himself even as he is pure. And ladies and gentlemen, the only way that we can purify ourselves is to give ourselves full and free and completely to the living God. As the praise team comes forward, singing the song that the Lord placed on my heart, an old-fashioned hymn, Ask Me Not, O Gentle Savior. As we sit here today, as we contemplate on what we have heard, what we have experienced, even anticipation of all the rest of the glorious things that we have on this day, baptism and ordination and choir singing this beautiful hymns of life, I want you to have a quiet moment in your heart in your mind, in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And I want you to think, I want you to think hard and say, Lord Jesus, don't let me go down from this mountaintop without making peace with you, without confessing you, with not, without allowing you to come into my life and clean it up. Praise Sing it for me.
listen to the words. Listen to the words. it softly I want to ask you a question if you don't want the Savior to pass you by won't you stand to your feet if you're able you don't want him to pass you by you're saying Lord Jesus don't pass me by be in my life come into my heart remove everything from me that is not like thee. I want you to have residence here if that's your desire you want Jesus to have residence in your heart just raise your hand just now God bless you. God sees you. It's a mighty day where if we have all of us going back down from the mountain filled with the very Spirit of God. How many want to be filled with the Spirit of God? Wave your hand as you hold it. Praise God. Savior, don't pass us by. We need you. We can't live without you. Not only for ourselves, but for the people that you place in our pathway. You can take your hands down now. The ushers have some cards decision for Christ cards and we know we have a full day but I know that there are people in here that need to make total surrender to Jesus Christ and as you have asked him to not pass you by and to come into your life maybe you have never given your heart to Jesus before and today you're saying Jesus I want you to come in I give you complete permission to rule in my heart, in my mind. If that's your desire, just raise your hand. Just raise your hand where you are. Man, woman, world. God sees those hands. God sees those hands. Let's pass those cards out, ushers, pastors who have them. Just pass, but just raise your hand and wave them. Another request that says on here that you want to be baptized. There are some of you who have already made up their minds to be baptized today. But there's somebody sitting here, standing here. And say, Lord, I want to be baptized. Maybe I want to be rebaptized. I've been away from the church for a long time. But I want to come back. I want to renew. I need that relationship with Jesus Christ. And folks, we're not going to have a long appeal here, but we want to give you an opportunity to register yourself to the name of God's church, his people, which keeps the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. And if it's your desire to be in a baptism and the church near you, and we want to be able to have a track of you so we can make sure that this is facilitated. Just raise your hand right now and ask the ushers, ask the pastors who are here, just raise your hand and say, I want to be in that baptism somewhere. I know that God has been calling me for this. It's not for today, but it is someday near in the future. And you can fill this card out and then turn it in. 
to one of the pastors or platform people that you have seen throughout this entire week? Is there someone like that? Just raise your hand, raise your hand. Man, woman, boy, girl, don't let this moment pass you by. Today is a day, today is an opportunity, today is a time that you can make all things right with the God who loves you with the love that would not let you go. I know he cares about you. I know he cares about me. And it's not because anything that we have done, it's because he died on Calvary that we might have eternal life. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Then say, victory is mine because of the blood of Jesus. Shall we bow our heads? Loving Father, again, we are so thankful that you have loved us with a love that would not let us go. And even now, Lord, as you move over this congregation, over your people, even though as you reveal to them your manifestation of your love and how you have helped them in times past and how you are willing to help them in the future and how you are whispering into their ears right now. Cause them to raise their hand, cause them to fill out these cards, cause them to take the necessary steps to bring their life in order with your will and save us all. We thank thee. We praise thee. We love thee for the victory that is ours. And we will see it when we are caught up in the clouds to meet you. Some coming from dusty graves, some being translated in the twinkling of an eye. But still, Lord, caught up together in the clouds with you. And we will go back to glory through Orion's gate Seven days rejoicing with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And in the distance we'll see that heavenly city. Jasper walls 216 feet high. Gates of pearls. Foundations of precious stones. And the Father himself standing at the gate. Singing that song, welcome home children. Never more depart. Let it be, let it be, let it be, as the word has said, is our prayer in Jesus' name. Let the people say, Amen. Amen.